This is McKinsey Recruiting, a podcast created to help you get to know more about McKinsey and Company. My name is Sydney Streets, and I'm here to answer your questions about recruiting, show you what it's like to work for McKinsey, and introduce you to our amazing people. McKinsey was one of the first consulting firms to recognize the contributions of those without traditional business training and actively recruit candidates with advanced professional degrees. We abbreviate that to APD. Today, nearly half of our consultants have a doctorate, law, medical, or non-business master's degree. Stay tuned for my conversation with Darshini to learn more about what it's like to join as an associate with an advanced professional degree. Darshani, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Um, Jen Gerhard let me know that you've been spending the past week as our um, advanced professional degree recruiting ambassador. Is that right? Yep. Um, First of all, thank you so much, Sydney, for having me here. Super excited to be sharing my story at McKinsey, my journey to McKinsey. Um, Recruiting always gets me super exciting. So happy to be participating uh, yet again with a recruiting team. Yeah, for sure. Um, So what's been your most recent role with recruiting? What have you been working on? So actually, as you just pointed out, so this week I've spent the last five days speaking to a bunch of like fantastic women, um, mostly PhDs, a couple of JDs with backgrounds similar to myself. And it's amazing to sort of see these are folks where I think slightly earlier on in their in their process of recruiting. Um, But so there's a good mix of folks looking to learn about what consulting is, looking to learn about what McKinsey is. And as you can imagine, coming from this background, it often seems like a big black box. And so what I've been doing in the past five weeks is just uh, five days is just serving as an ambassador, um, an APD ambassador to just be there, provide myself as like an additional resource to any questions they may have, any concerns about the transition. A lot of people are emotional about it, uh, are very nervous about it. And I think it's, you know, you need someone who's been there to sort of give you a very candid perspective. And so that's what I've been up to. And so it's been pretty awesome. And I've done this a couple of times before. I tell the recruiting team, I always come back when I feel like I need re-energizing because it's always exciting to speak to the new candidates. That's awesome. Um, You mentioned that a lot of the people you're speaking to have similar backgrounds to you. Can you give me a little tidbit onto how you joined the firm and um, a little bit about your academic background too? Yeah, sure. So um, I briefly mentioned that the backgrounds that like the advanced professional degree candidate or the APD candidate that we uh, refer to is typically the PhD, the JD, or like the MD. Myself, I am, so I did my PhD in neuroscience at Columbia University up at the medical school in Manhattan. Um, And for me personally, I had a fairly positive PhD experience, Sydney. It wasn't one where I felt like, oh, you know, everything was disastrous and I needed to get away from it. And so it was only up until like my final year that I decided that I maybe wanted to look outside. So as I mentioned, I actually, actually, the reason I was so late in the game with this is I loved my lab. I was publishing well. I was very invested in my research, both mind and heart. I had a great relationship with my advisor. Uh, He actually even attended my wedding in India with his family. But despite that, I felt like something was missing and I, I couldn't quite put a finger on it. And so Um, I decided that's sort of when I started my journey of looking outside and I went for like McKinsey's info session and like the folks that I met there 
were just super inspiring, right? So like myself, they came from like different backgrounds. Um, a lot of them mostly were PhDs, but PhDs from like neuroscience were some of them, of course, but like, so the life sciences, but then I met a PhD in geology. I met a PhD in philology. I didn't even know what that was at the time. And so um, <laughs> it's just what really struck me when I first met them is like, this place has a bunch of folks who have very similar background and a foundation like myself, but they all wanted a little bit more from the experience that they were currently doing. And so McKinsey sort of offers this like uh, relentless stimulation, diversity of thought, uh, diversity in background. And I, I really got that tangible sense when I was just at the info session itself. And that sort of sparked my journey or my interest in consulting. And that's, uh, yeah. Um, what, you know, kickstarted the entire process for me. That's awesome. It's one of my favorite things actually to talk to some of our advanced professional degree hires about, you know, where they were before McKinsey, because the diversity of study is just immense and always just like fascinating. What did you think you wanted to do before you started thinking about consulting? Yeah, that's, I mean, I feel like I was fairly traditional. And like, honestly, when I thought of what, what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was mm -hmm. younger, was always uh, an academic, a professor, like continue on doing like traditional research. So I kid you not, Sydney, I wasn't one of those APDs who actually, you know, was striving to find internships all the time outside of academia, because I was fairly convinced that because I love the research, I love the science and everything, I thought that my path forward would be that of like a professor or just like starting a lab of my own. I did feel like as I moved through academia and moved through my years, it just became a little more real and the struggles of that life also and the challenges of that life became very real for me. And I didn't want to neglect the social component of it. And so I'm a huge people person. I love I love being of uh, working with teams, working with groups and a large part of the academic life for me personally was very isolated. And I, I found myself feeling lonely sometimes. And I just felt like as I thought about my life as a what we called a PI principal investigator of her lab, I might just like continue to feel lonely in that regard, like working in a very isolated fashion. And so I was like, is this really something what I want to do for the rest of my life? And so what is out there that can enable me to continue holding on to my identity as a scientist, but enhance it? in other ways. And I actually always tell this uh, to candidates who are feeling sad about it. I never really look at it as something I left behind. It's like, I continue to identify as a scientist when I'm at McKinsey. The fact that we have so many scientists allows me to continue doing that. What I look at it is it's something I added on to my identity as opposed to substituting. And I think that's pretty awesome. And so, yeah, to come back to your question, I thought of myself going down the trajectory of like the traditional academic, but felt like I needed a, something a little more. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love that framing of, you know, it's adding something onto your identity. How have you, you know, once you joined the firm and started working on different projects, um, how did you weave your previous expertise into your current work or, or did you? How does, how does that look for you now, your, your day to day with clients? Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of overall trying to weave in my expertise, I will be honest, I I actually came in wanting to explore stuff that was beyond the immediate area of expertise that I had gained. Um, and so I did my, as, as you probably might know, like 
we focus in our PhDs on a very, very specific and nuanced topic. So for me on a high level, that was looking at the neurocircuitry of aggression. I did not come to McKinsey like hoping to work within neuroscience specifically only. That was a goal that I was like, you know, it would be nice to do if it came around. But I came in with the desire to learn about healthcare at large and sort of explore the entire value chain and sort of see and understand what the healthcare industry really was for each stakeholder involved, whether it's pharma, whether it's the provider, whether it's the payer, whether it's the patient, right? And so for me, in terms of the technique, like the, the, the expertise I've been able to leverage is less technical specific. It's like less content based, but it's mm-hmm. been one of those like soft skills that I've found to be most transferable. So a couple of them, for example, in our day to day, how this pans out is like, we are rapidly evolving the questions we work on. We're rapidly evolving the clients and personalities we work with, um, the teams we work with. It's just like very dynamic. And as that keeps changing, there's like a lot of room for ambiguity and questions and not and like and just not knowing what to do. And mm-hmm. I think um, that's a big part of your PhD. There were several moments in my PhD where it was just me. I was my advisor's first graduate student. And so I didn't really have the help to figure out stuff all the time. And so what I think I brought with me was the comfort with not knowing and like the faith in the ability, in in the fact that, you know what, you've done a PhD before, you've figured out a lot harder questions, you can, you you know, you can make this work. And so I think it's, it's like that comfort with the ambiguity. And then the second thing I think would be is the tenacity and like the sort of relentlessness with which we work in our PhDs to arrive at an answer and the rigor with which we sort of work, even if the returns are not immediate, as anyone who's done a PhD and who's hearing this will identify, you wait and wait and wait for that positive result sometimes. And so it's just being okay with that and still working hard and feeling motivated. I think those are the primary things I anchor in very often when McKinsey feels tough or uh, my project feels tough. And, and, and what I brought on the technical side is, I guess, like my role interest in healthcare and science. Mm-hmm. It's like whether I study neuroscience, yes, that's great. But I'm like inherently just eager to learn. And I think that that filters in as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. We've done on the podcast sessions about the BA experience and how it's like for MBAs to recruit. Can you talk to me a little bit more about what it's like for folks who have PhDs or JDs or other advanced professional degrees? What does the recruiting process look like and, and what's unique about McKinsey's recruiting process for those groups? Uh, yeah, so on, like, in terms of what the recruiting process looks like, I mean, formally speaking, there's like three parts to it. Um, so there's the first hurdle that you need to cross when you apply is just like the problem solving game. And this is all information that we actually outline very well on our website as well uh, for interviewing for APD specifically. And so there's the problem solving game. But once you make it through that, there's like two rounds of interviews that we have. And the core, the crux of what we look at in the interview there's two main components. So every interview will have one which is looking at your personal experiences. So we call that the PEI or the personal experience interview. And then there's the second part, which a lot of people have heard of um, is like the case interview. And so we roughly and we equally weigh the importance of both of these people make the mistake of only focusing on the case but we're really looking for good fit and personality as well at the firm. And so I like I always tell people pay attention to both aspects of it. And so the PEI aspect is is 
we are looking for certain traits and qualities at, and capabilities at the firm, which we find are recurringly required in our client work. So examples of that would be we want to see leadership skills or like, are there examples in your life that are, um, you know, where you've been able to pioneer something or steer the process or be proactive about it? Entrepreneurship, problem solving skills. Um, and these are wonderfully outlined on the website as well. But these are just like some capabilities we're looking for, which shows us that you actually have, you know, the innate like capabilities we need in order to ex excel in our client work. And on the case side, it's basically, it's a simulation of what we do with our clients. It's actually like a, a nice 20 minute, 20 to 25 minute case, which resembles very much what we actually do in our real life with our clients. And it's like a business problem statement uh, where you basically have to work through it. And there's like specific questions based on like the types of problems clients may have. So whether it's driving, like increasing profits, cutting costs, launching a new product, entering a new market. And what you will find is actually uh, the case interview and the PEI, the process is actually the same as the MBA. So you can actually case with APDs or with MBAs. It's a very similar process across the two rounds of interviews. What I will say is exceptional to McKinsey is a couple of things as we go through this process. One is our infrastructure as you go through the process is pretty impressive to support the APD. There are tons of ambassadors out there who are really eager to help, really eager to hop onto the phone or have coffee chats and to just answer your questions in a judgment-free way. Uh, that sort of comes from the fact that as a firm, we have a bunch of PhDs already at every every level and step. So it's easy to role model, like to actually see yourself be at the firm when people who have been right there in your shoes are talking about it. And there's a lot of other companies where I, I feel like Hiring PhDs and MDs may not be as common or APDs may be not as common. And so like having people at the firm and a very high density of that too is definitely a differentiating factor for our firm in terms of the support you can offer even before you start the process. Then there's all, all of the resources, God, that get channeled your way when you even enter the firm, right? We have all of these different trainings. There's all of these formal processes that are around to sort of support you and hold your hand as you enter. And then finally, I'd say there is your peers, right, as well. Like you get exposed to so many amazing people as you go through the process who can also support you as you go through it. And uh, I think these are the things, at least in my personal experience, when I got to McKinsey, I learned something early on is just have faith in the process and trust the system. And McKinsey is such a well-oiled machine that it like continues to support you in more than one way. And you, I had two years in the firm, I'm still surprised. So I hope that answers your question. Oh, no, it, it definitely does. That's super helpful. When you were going through the process, like preparing for interviews, preparing, you know, both for the PEI side and the case portion, how did you prepare? How did you, do you think there were any like misconceptions you had as a candidate now that you're on the other side? Yeah, any I, tips? absolutely. I mean, as I mentioned earlier as well, I was like, I did not expose myself to a world outside academia very much. And so my biggest misconception, and I feel like I've heard this through many of the conversations I've had in recruiting is that like, I needed to have some sort of an internship, some sort of business expertise, or even just like minimal exposure to be considered a worthy and strong enough candidate for McKinsey. And that is the biggest misconception, in my opinion. Um, of course, there are people who come in with that background, but I 
do think what we're solving for is less like the, the, the flashy things necessarily on your resume that show that you've been exposed to this world before, but more is like your role ability to get at the skills we're looking for. And some of those I mentioned earlier in terms of entrepreneurship, leadership, problem solving. And our, our interview is designed in such a way that it enables the interviewer to also like extract those components quite wonderfully without you having to have all of these experiences on your resume, right? So I think that was probably my biggest misconception. The other thing is, as you think about PEI, in a similar vein, I feel McKinsey is such a fantastic place, of course, attracts people who have who have ac accomplished so much in their lives. And so you feel like you need to come up with these flashy stories of where you, you know, like your summer internship somewhere you spend it like you lived in another country and you, you know, stuff like mm -hmm. that. Like that sometimes makes candidates pick stories that they're not able to own and able to passionately speak about and like actually be very authentic about. And so I think what I urge folks when I tell them to prepare is like my story was something simple about managing lab cohesiveness and dynamics. Um, and like without getting into too much detail, it was a very simple story that was just centered on my lab family of five, right? I was able to talk about it for 15 minutes and really engage with the interviewer on it. And it, it clearly worked. So, um, <laughs> What I tell people is don't feel the pressure to feel like you have to come up with something like your MBA peers or counterparts who have spent their summers interning somewhere and just be authentic, be true to your story and your experience and really, really focus on what we're looking for in terms of the capabilities that you display through that experience. Fantastic. I think that's super helpful. I think folks always love to hear kind of some of those inside tips. So, you know, you go through the interview process, they do fantastic on PEI and case. And then once someone joins the firm, can you talk a little bit more about the associate role and how that's been for you? What your, you know, recent teams have been like? Curious yeah. to hear more about actually once you're at McKinsey, how that feels as an APD candidate. Absolutely. I think when you are on the other side, folks always wonder is how do you get staffed on a project as an associate? And they're like, do you just get paired with put on a project which is aligned with your PhD or like background? Um, and what I will say is like, that's not necessarily what happens. It could happen, but that's not what we solve for. So what we have uh, internally is what we call a, a professional development team that is tossed with the job to sort of help you find projects that are best suited to your needs in the stage of development you are in the firm. So early on, when you just enter as a new associate, you basically are solving for teams with good mentorship, good coaching, uh, that are supportive, etc. And so you get stuff based on those needs and then content is part of it as well for sure and so it's like a mix of solving for what you need developmentally but also what you need intellectually and that what stimulates you and so that's sort of how your staffing journey works with every project you get as an associate, you sort of start off with probably professional development, leaning in a little bit more and helping you. But as you grow up at the firm, you start finding the partners that you, you know, you sort of are inspired by. You start finding the work you get excited by. You find EMs who you worked really well with. And you then begin to build your own McKinsey and your own family and then staffing yourself on different types of projects. So I entered the firm thinking that like, you know, 
uh, working in pharma might be, you know, is the next logical step to the stuff I did in my PhD, which was like more preclinical stuff. And as I worked through my projects, I, I noticed that I actually am really invested in learning more about like the delivery of healthcare closer on the patient side. How can we actually work to make their experience smoother and their access to healthcare uh, easier, right? Uh, and more effective. And so that's sort of like how you find yourself evolving, even in your interest. You think you know what you want when you come in, but then you see the world of McKinsey and the kinds of questions that you get to solve for, and that keeps evolving. And so as an associate in healthcare, uh, the types of projects I've worked on have been, have ranged across the spectrum. So we have, at least in healthcare, we have two main parts, which is like like pharma and medical products, which is PMP, and then those health systems and services. And I'd say my projects have been a good mix across that spectrum, um, trying to explore sort of different, you know, different types of client questions and serve them in different ways. Awesome. One question that I meant to ask you earlier, um, I know that you're part of the New York office. How did you, but, and you also went to school at Columbia, so not too far away. Um, how did you make your decision about office preferences and how did you think about location when you applied? That's yeah. For me personally, Sydney, I, there was a few parts to this one. It was very personal. I think I just love Manhattan and that was primarily why I also wanted to do my PhD at Columbia. Of course, like the program was very strong for me for neuroscience uh, personally, but I also love living in the city. So that was one component. I will say the second component though is if you have a sense, and I should emphasize there is no pressure at all because you're recruiting as a generalist, but if you have a sense of the industry you might potentially be interested in, that can also help determine the type of office you could go for. So for example, there are some themes um, that you'll see like New York has a lot of financial services and a lot of healthcare. And so for me, I was trying to optimize for travel back back in the day when we traveled uh, every <laughs> week, uh, pre-COVID times, it, it sort of positioned me well because there's like a lot of healthcare in Jersey, Boston, um, you know, Philadelphia. So that was a factor in terms of, but I do say like, I feel like people feel the pressure because of because of this to feel like they need to know what they want to do when they come in. And that isn't the case. I just had a sense that that's where I would go directionally. And so that factored in. Um, the third thing people keep in mind is what is the office culture you're going for? Like there is, do you want it to be smaller, more cushy, like more comfortable and family-like? And there are offices that feel a little more close-knit in terms because of just like the sheer size is like a lot, mm -hmm. of, a lot fewer consultants. Um, Personally, that wasn't something for me. I'm like, I grew up in Bombay. I moved to Manhattan. I'm very used to like big city life and like working in bigger with, you know, a lot of people around me in general. And so I know the New York office is like over 700 consultants or something like that, but that did not worry me too much. And I almost thought that could be more exciting for me. And then you find your ways to shrink the office and like through affinity groups and whatnot. And so I'd say that's something to keep in mind in terms of the culture. Though, you know what, we're on the road so much and we're with clients so much that it doesn't have to be, I, would, I wouldn't prioritize that as like a very big factor. At least it wasn't for me. But yeah, I'd say those are the key things I personally thought of in, in choosing the office I went to as well. Yeah, I love all of that. I think one thing I would add, and I think you alluded to it in the beginning, is around, you know, I think also folks have an outside support system too, right? Like, yes, yes your family or like, where are your friends? Where are they going after school? Or where's your extended family? Where does, where does your husband, spouse, you know, wife, where do they want to live? All that good stuff around like, where do you want to be? 
weekends. Um, and I actually like, that's such a great point, Sydney. And I have to emphasize this is I will be honest. I know I'm, I'm in recruiting. I, 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 you know, I, I support so many things, but I do also feel very, uh, very much to be honest about like the difficulties and challenges of this life, right? It's not necessarily always very easy. And it's often, a, it's often quite an adjustment, culturally speaking, from what you're used to as an APD coming into this new life, that solving for also sort of where you can feel most supported is also a big factor for sure. So for me personally, my husband uh, was at the business school at Columbia and we he then got a job in Manhattan as well. So that was definitely a factor as well in, in keeping me here. Yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit more, if you'll indulge me, in your sort of like the transition from your PhD life to life at McKinsey. How was that? How did, you know, how did it feel culturally like that shift and how did you navigate it? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I think there were a few things that stood out for me and I still work on sometimes adapting to. And I think this is also depend. Everyone's PhD experience is very different. And so that's mm -hmm. also something to keep in mind. Sure, um, yeah. just like I'll speak of it from my perspective. So I came from a lab that was my advisor was super relaxed, uh, was very easygoing, you know, didn't really manage or get too involved in how I plan my time. Um, and as you spend so many years with just working with one person, there's a certain level of uh, an understanding in how you each work that, you know, you have, and it makes it easier to basically function and design your day. So for me, the biggest thing I struggled with was not necessarily the number of hours, but it was how I managed or controlled those hours and when I did the work. And so I think PhDs are huge. And you know what, I kind of want to work late tonight and I'm going to run my, you know, my lab work or my mice till like two in the morning if I have to. Um, and then tomorrow I'll just come to lab at 11 a.m., you know, and there's that kind of flexibility and autonomy and controlling your life is is uh, was something I had less so off when I first came to McKinsey. And that makes sense because you're you have a lot of calendars you're solving for. There's, of course, the <laughs> who's at the helm of it all. And then you have the partners who are also super busy. And then you want to be working in sync and lockstep with your team. And so I think the autonomy in designing your day and being very flexible and changing it around. Of course, we have a lot of like flexibility and that's a whole different topic in terms of how you choose to design your overall time at McKinsey. But on a day-to-day -day basis, um, it's a lot more structured than I had in my previous life. So I think that was the biggest adjustment I made initially. And then I think the second thing was um, McKinsey's a little uh, world of its own in terms of even just like sometimes we have a language of our own, right? Where like, mm -hmm. it's, like, yeah. it's, like it's like people are confused about like, oh, what is APD? And then there's PD and there's your DGL. And so there's a lot to sort of wrap your mind around in terms of processes at the firm as well. But the good thing about that is also there's a lot of systems and processes in place to help you wrap your mind around it. And so for me, the biggest adjustment and because I worked in healthcare, though, the third thing is because I think I, for me, I just have a lot of PhDs and MDs around me. Culturally, I still feel like, you know, there's folks who sort of get where I come from, but that may not be the case in every industry sometimes. And so um, there are some industries that may have a higher density of APDs versus others. And so there are on a team level, the fact is we're such a diverse firm. We're so heterogeneous. 
And that's what we love about McKinsey. But that sometimes takes a little bit of adjusting as you jump from one team to another to another. Whereas in my PhD life, I had one family for five years, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so the biggest, this is like my long-winded way of saying is the biggest adjustments I think for me were just less the content and the business and all of that stuff that people typically get nervous about and more like, I don't actually have as much control on my day as I used to before. And uh, just the variability of constantly changing stuff around and feeling like you've got a stronghold on on the ground. And I think that comes a a few months in, Uh, but that was the biggest change for me. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. And honestly, I'm a little surprised. So I'm glad to have heard that. Yeah. I mean, the business stuff is like a little bit overwhelming at the beginning for sure. And it still is sometimes on some projects where I'm like, I don't know. Um, But you know what? You notice that a lot of people around you also don't know what's going on. And it doesn't matter if they're APDs or MBAs. The MBAs also don't know often, right? And so it's like we have this misconception that they have a leg up on us. And, you know, they're amazing for sure. But sometimes the most humbling thing that I've loved about McKinsey, the people I've learned the most from are the BAs you know, who are like 10 years younger than me. And they're like, wow, you are so good at this, you know? And so there's no real rule in how stuff works. And I think you just like, as you spend more time at the firm, you just get more used to it. That's fantastic. Thank you. That's super helpful to hear. Okay. As we kind of think about next steps for candidates. So you guys are actively recruiting right now. That, mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So as you're going through applications and looking at people's resumes, like, is there anything you would say helps candidates stand out? Anything candidates should not do? Little do's and don'ts, tips for people? Yeah, I think, I think in terms of the do's, what I feel is it is like a little bit of an overwhelming process. And so what I do recommend is like, I mean, personally, I didn't know this is something I wanted to do until super late. And so... Um, it maybe felt more intense to me than it could have if I had. And so like something is like what I would recommend is that try and practice steadily and look at cases, uh, find case partners, find case partners who challenge you, who don't necessarily make you feel comfortable all the time because it's not a comfortable process inherently. And so what I think I did that worked for me is I cased with people who I felt like I had stuff to learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, and like both of my final case partners are actually at McKinsey as well right now. And so I feel like challenge yourself in the case practice. But I will say that um, what I didn't do and I wish I did is like cut out the noise. There's like it's a very overwhelming process and people keep talking about the various stages of practice and, you know, preparation that they've done. And it's very easy to get tangled up in all of that and get nervous about and start doubting your own process. And so that brings me to the don't is like, just like, don't focus on what other people are doing. Just stay focused on sort of, and it's easier said than done for sure, but it's stay focused on practicing your cases regularly, find diversity of case partners that challenge you and practice PEI as well as case interviews. People ignore PEI very much. uh, And that's like a huge mistake. So I would recommend that people do that as well. And I will say that in terms of something, just like if you've connected with anyone at McKinsey, maintain that relationship, nurture that relationship, reach out to them. People at the firm are super helpful and willing to support. And I think that just like makes your network as you get on the other side even stronger when you need people to fall fall on, right? When you're new and don't know too many people. And so those are a couple of things that I think come to mind. 
Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic advice. Um, your last piece around, you know, building your McKinsey network, I think is so great, partly because I think it underlines the fact that the recruiting process and the interview process is designed for us to get to know you, for you to get to know McKinsey, to, and we really want to help students get through the process and understand how, what we're looking for. It's definitely not intended to be a gotcha or, um, you know, throw any, any right hooks at you. So that's. Exactly. And I feel like we, we can't help but like, you know, disassociate yourself. It's tough to think that you're not being evaluated every time you like, and you want to prepare and then it becomes an added source of stress and then you don't get in touch with people. Mm -hmm. And what I urge folks to do is just leverage the folks around you who reach out to help you, you know, and I will say this again, it's a tough job. It's not easy. And so when I first landed at McKinsey in my first week, um, I reached out to like about nine people I had met through recruiting because I didn't know who else to look to. And I was, it's my first week here. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start. And immediately comes in of being like, here's like someone staffed me on like first project. You know, there's people who just jump in to help and support you. And so people have this thing where you think you'll wait till you get the offer to start all of this, but it's like a good idea to start nurturing those relationships um, as soon as you start connecting with people and stay calm as best as possible. I know it's easier said than done, uh, but that's the main advice I, I tend to give people is like follow your process have faith in it, practice uh, for sure, and stay targeted in terms of what McKinsey is looking for in your preparation. We outline it super well on the website. And so fashion your preparation on that. And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the most I would say for this process. Yeah, fantastic. Such good advice. Thank you. Um, do you still stay in touch with your lab family? I do. I do. I actually um, was uh, WhatsApping my advisor the other day. Um, and so we're super, um, my advisor actually came to India for my wedding with his family. And so mm -hmm. we're, we're su su very much in touch. Weirdly enough, we're still publishing another paper. So that's the, that's the aspect I was talking about in terms of like the scientists in me is still very alive. So he's still like, oh, where's that going on? And where's that <laughs> for that? And like, um, so yes, very much in touch with them and very much, um, very much, very, very fond of them. So I don't, I, I, as I mentioned before, I don't see that as two very separate parts of my life. I've brought that with me. Um, and so for those people who actually feel nervous about, you know, and think that they're leaving something behind, it doesn't have to be that way. Love it. Love it. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for spending some time with me on a Friday afternoon talking recruiting. No, Sydney. Um, I hope I hope that this was helpful, and I'm like excited to have been part of it. Thanks. For more information about recruiting with advanced professional degree and tons of other information, please check out McKinsey.com/careers.